Act Two, Part Two, of Heartbreak House. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Heartbreak House by George Bernard Shaw. Act Two, Part Two. Lady Utterword appearing at the port garden door in a handsome dinner dress. Is anything the matter? This gentleman wants to know is he never to have the last word. Lady Utterword coming forward to the sofa. I should let him have it, my dear. The important thing is not to have the last word, but to have your own way. She wants both. She won't get them, Mr. Mangan. Providence always has the last word. Now you are going to come religion over me. In this house a man's mind might as well be a football. I'm going. He makes for the hall, but is stopped by a hail from the captain, who has just emerged from his pantry. Whither away, Boss Mangan? To hell out of this house. Let that be enough for you and all here. You were welcome to come. You are free to go. The wide earth, the high seas, the spacious skies are waiting for you outside. But your things, Mr. Mangan, your bag, your comb and brushes, your pyjamas. Hector, who has just appeared in the port doorway in a handsome Arab costume. Why should the escaping slave take his chains with him? That's right, Hushabye. Keep the pyjamas, my lady, and much good may they do you. Hector, advancing to Lady Utterword's left hand. Let us all go out into the night and leave everything behind us. You stay where you are, the lot of you. I want no company, especially female company. Let him go. He is unhappy here. He is angry with us. Go, Boss Mangan, and when you have found the land where there is happiness and where there are no women, send me its latitude and longitude, and I will join you there. You will certainly not be comfortable without your luggage, Mr. Mangan. Go, go, why don't you go? It is a heavenly night. You can sleep on the heath. Take my waterproof to lie on. It is hanging up in the hall. Breakfast at nine, unless you prefer to breakfast with the captain at six. Good night, Alfred. Alfred? He runs back to the door and calls into the garden. Randall, Mangan's Christian name is Alfred. Randall, appearing in the starboard doorway in evening dress. Then Hazani wins her bet. Mrs. Hushabye appears in the port doorway. She throws her left arm round Hector's neck, draws him with her to the back of the sofa, and throws her right arm round Lady Utterword's neck. They wouldn't believe me, Alf. They contemplate him. Is there any more of you coming in to look at me as if I was the latest thing in a menagerie? You are the latest thing in this menagerie. Before Mangan can retort, a fall of furniture is heard from upstairs, then a pistol-shot and a yell of pain. The staring group breaks up in consternation. Help! A burglar! Help! A burglar! No, Hector, you'll be shot! But it is too late. He is dashed out past Mangan, who hastily moves toward the bookshelves out of his way. All hands aloft. He strides out after Hector. My diamonds! She follows the captain. Randall rushing after her. No, Ariadne, let me. Oh, is Papa shot? She runs out. Are you frightened, Alf? No, it ain't my house, thank God. If they catch a burglar, shall we have to go into court as witnesses and be asked all sorts of questions about our private lives? You won't be believed if you tell the truth. Mazzini, terribly upset, with a dueling pistol in his hand, comes from the hall and makes his way to the drawing-table. Oh, my dear Mrs. Hushabye, I might have killed him. 
He throws the pistol on the table and staggers round to the chair. I hope you won't believe I really intended to. Hector comes in, marching an old and villainous-looking man before him by the collar. He plants him in the middle of the room and releases him. Ellie follows, and immediately runs across to the back of her father's chair and pats his shoulders. Randall, entering with a poker. Keep your eye on this door, Mangan. I'll look after the other. He goes to the starboard door and stands on guard there. Lady Utterword comes in after Randall, and goes between Mrs. Hushabye and Mangan. Nurse Guinness brings up the rear, and waits near the door on Mangan's left. "'What has happened?' "'Your housekeeper told me there was somebody upstairs, and gave me a pistol that Mr. Hushabye had been practising with. I thought it would frighten him. But it went off at a touch.' "'Yes, and took the skin off my ear.' Precious near took the top off my head. Why don't you have a proper revolver instead of a thing like that, that goes off if you as much as blow on it? Uh, one of my dueling pistols. Sorry. He put his hands up and said it was a fair cop. So it was. Send for the police. No, by thunder, it was not a fair cop. We were four to one. What will they do to him? Ten years beginning with solitary. Ten years off my life. I shan't serve at all. I'm too old. It will see me out. You should have thought of that before you stole my diamonds. Well, you've got them back, lady, haven't you? Can you give me back the years of my life you were going to take from me? Oh, we can't bury a man alive for ten years for a few diamonds. Ten little shining diamonds. Ten long black years. Think of what it is for us to be dragged through the horrors of a criminal court, and to have all our family affairs in the papers. If you were a native, and Hastings could order you a good beating and send you away, I shouldn't mind. But here in England there is no real protection for any respectable person. I'm too old to be give a hiding, lady. Send for the police and have it done with. It's only just and right you should. Randall who has relaxed his vigilance on seeing the burglar so pacifically disposed, and comes forward swinging the poker between his fingers like a well-folded umbrella. It is neither just nor right that we should be put to a lot of inconvenience to gratify your moral enthusiasm, my friend. You had better get out while you have the chance. No. I must work my sin off my conscience. This has come as a sort of call to me. Let me spend the rest of my life repenting in a cell. I shall have my reward above. The very burglars can't behave naturally in this house. My good sir, you must work out your salvation at somebody else's expense. Nobody here is going to charge you. Oh, you won't charge me, won't you? No. I'm sorry to be inhospitable, but will you kindly leave the house? Right. I'll go to the police station and give myself up. He turns resolutely to the door. But Hector stops him. No, no, you can't you repent at home? You will have to do as you were told. It's compounding a felony, you know. This is utterly ridiculous. Are we to be forced to prosecute this man when we don't want to? Am I to be robbed of my salvation to save you the trouble of spending a day at the sessions? Is that justice? Is it right? Is it fair to me? Mazzini, rising and leaning across the table persuasively, as if it were a pulpit-desk or a shop-counter. "'Come, come, let me show you how you can turn your very crimes to account. 
why not set up as a locksmith you must know more about locks than most honest men that's true sir but i couldn't set up as a locksmith under twenty pounds you can easily steal twenty pounds you'll find it in the nearest bank oh what a thing for a gentleman to put into the head of a poor criminal scrambling out of the bottomless pit as it were oh shame on you sir oh god forgive you he throws himself into the big chair and covers his face as if in prayer really randall it seems to me that we shall have to take up a collection for this inopportunely contrite sinner but twenty pounds is ridiculous the burglar looking up quickly i shall have to buy a lot of tools lady nonsense you have your burglaring kit what's a jimmy and a center bit and an acetylene welding plant and a bunch of skeleton keys i shall want a forge and a smithy and a shop and fittings i can't hardly do it for twenty my worthy friend we haven't got twenty pounds you can raise it among you can't you give him a sovereign hector and get rid of him hector giving him a pound there off with you the burglar rising and taking the money very ungratefully i won't promise nothing you have more on you than a quid all the lot of you i mean oh let us prosecute him and have done with it i have a conscience too i hope and i do not feel at all sure that we have any right to let him go especially if he is going to be greedy and impertinent all right lady all right i've no wish to be anything but agreeable good evening ladies and gentlemen and thank you kindly he is hurrying out when he is confronted in the doorway by captain shotover shotover fixing the burglar with a piercing regard what's this are there two of you the burglar falling on his knees before the captain in abject terror oh my good lord what have i done don't tell me it's your house i've broken into captain shotover the captain seizes him by the collar drags him to his feet and leads him to the middle of the group hector falling back beside his wife to make room for them captain shotover turning him towards ellie is that your daughter he releases him well how do i know captain you know the sort of life you and me has led any young lady of that age might be my daughter anywhere in the wide world as you might say captain shotover to mazzini you are not billy dunn this is billy dunn why have you imposed on me have you been giving yourself out to be me you that nigh blew my head off shooting yourself in a matter of speaking my dear captain shotover ever since i came into this house i have done hardly anything else but assure you that i am not mr william dunn but mazzini dunn a very different person he don't belong to my branch captain there's two sets in the family the thinking duns and the drinking duns each go in their own ways i'm a drinking dun he's a thinking dun but that didn't give him any right to shoot me so you've turned burglar have you no captain i wouldn't disgrace our old sea calling by such a thing i am no burglar what were you doing with my diamonds what did you break into the house for if you're no burglar mistook the house for your own and came in by the wrong window hey well it's no use my telling you a lie i can take in most captains but not captain shotover because he sold himself to the devil in zanzibar and can divine water spot gold explode a cartridge in your pocket with a glance of his eye and see the truth hidden in the heart of man but i'm no burglar are you an honest man i don't set up to be better than my fellow creatures and never did as you well know captain but what i do is innocent and pious 
I inquire about for houses where the right sort of people live. I work it on them same as I worked it here. I break into a house, put a few spoons or diamonds in my pocket, make a noise, get caught, and take up a collection. And you wouldn't believe how hard it is to get caught when you're actually trying to. I have knocked over all the chairs in a room without a soul paying any attention to me. In the end, I've had to walk out and leave the job. When that happens, do you put back the spoons and diamonds? Well, I don't fly in the face of Providence, if that's what you want to know. Guinness, you remember this man? I should think I do, seeing I was married to him, the blackguard. Married to him? Guinness! It wasn't legal. I've been married to no end of women. No use coming that over me. Take him to the forecastle. He flings him to the door with a strength beyond his years. I suppose you mean the kitchen. They won't have him there. Do you expect servants to keep company with thieves and all sorts? Land thieves and water thieves are the same flesh and blood. I'll have no boatswain on my quarter-deck. Off with you both. Yes, Captain. He goes out humbly. Will it be safe to have him in the house like that? Why didn't you shoot him, sir? If I'd known who he was, I'd have shot him myself. She goes out. Do sit down, everybody. She sits down on the sofa. They all move except Ellie. Mazzini resumes his seat. Randall sits down in the window seat near the starboard door, again making a pendulum of his poker, and studying it as Galileo might have done. Hector sits on his left in the middle. Mangan, forgotten, sits in the port corner. Lady Utterword takes the big chair. Captain Shotover goes into the pantry in deep abstraction. They all look after him, and Lady Utterword coughs consciously. So, Billy Dunn was poor Nurse's little romance. I knew there had been somebody. They will fight their battles over again and enjoy themselves immensely. You are not married. And you know nothing about it, Randall. Hold your tongue. Tyrant. Well, we have had a very exciting evening. Everything will be an anticlimax after it. We'd better all go to bed. Another burglar may turn up. Oh, impossible. I hope not. Why not? There's more than one burglar in England. What do you say, Alf? Oh, I don't matter. I'm forgotten. The burglar has put my nose out of joint. Shove me into a corner and have done with me. Mrs. Hushabye, jumping up mischievously and going to him. Would you like a walk on the heath, Alfred, with me? Go, Mr. Mangan. It will do you good. Hesione will soothe you. Mrs. Hushabye, slipping her arm under his and pulling him upright. Come, Alfred, there is a moon. It's like the night in Tristan and Isolde. She caresses his arm and draws him to the port-garden door. Mangan, writhing but yielding. How can you have the face the heart? <laughs> he breaks down and is heard sobbing as she takes him out. What an extraordinary way to behave! What is the matter with the man? His heart is breaking. That is all. The captain appears at the pantry door, listening. It is a curious sensation the sort of pain that goes mercifully beyond our powers of feeling. When your heart is broken, your boats are burned. Nothing matters any more. It is the end of happiness and the beginning of peace. Lady Utterword, suddenly rising in a rage to the astonishment of the rest. How dare you! Good heavens! What's the matter? 
steady i was not addressing you particularly lady utterword and i am not accustomed to being asked how dare i of course not anyone can see how badly you have been brought up oh i hope not lady utterword really i know very well what you meant the impudence what on earth do you mean captain shotover advancing to the table she means that her heart will not break she has been longing all her life for someone to break it at last she has become afraid she has none to break lady utterword flinging herself on her knees and throwing her arms round him papa don't say you think i've no heart captain shotover raising her with grim tenderness if you had no heart how could you want to have it broken child hector rising with a bound lady utterword you are not to be trusted you have made a scene he runs out into the garden through the starboard door oh hector hector she runs out after him only nerves i assure you he rises and follows her waving the poker in his agitation ariadne ariadne for god's sake be careful you will he is gone mazzini rising how distressing can i do anything i wonder captain shotover promptly taking his chair and setting to work at the drawing-board no go to bed good night oh perhaps you are right good night dearest she kisses him good night love he makes for the door but turns aside to the bookshelves i'll just take a book good night he goes out leaving ellie alone with the captain the captain is intent on his drawing ellie standing sentry over his chair contemplates him for a moment does nothing ever disturb you captain shotover i've stood on the bridge for eighteen hours in a typhoon life here is stormier but i can stand it do you think i ought to marry mr mangan captain shotover never looking up one rock is as good as another to be wrecked on i am not in love with him who said you were you are not surprised surprised at my age it seems to me quite fair he wants me for one thing i want him for another money yes well one turns the cheek the other kisses it one provides the cash the other spends it who will have the best of the bargain i wonder you these fellows live in an office all day you will have to put up with him from dinner to breakfast but you will both be asleep most of that time all day you will be quit of him and you will be shopping with his money if that is too much for you marry a seafaring man you will be bothered with him only three weeks in the year perhaps that would be best of all i suppose it's a dangerous thing to be married right up to the hilt like my daughter's husband the man is at home all day like a damned soul in hell i never thought of that before if you're marrying for business you can't be too businesslike why do women always want other women's husbands why do horse thieves prefer a horse that is broken in to one that is wild <laughs> i suppose so what a vile world it is it doesn't concern me i'm nearly out of it and i'm only just beginning yes so look ahead well i think i am being very prudent i didn't say prudent i said look ahead what's the difference it's prudent to gain the whole world and lose your own soul but don't forget that your soul sticks to you if you stick to it but the world has a way of slipping through your fingers ellie wearily leaving him and beginning to wander restlessly about the room 
"'I'm sorry, Captain Shotover, but it's no use talking like that to me. Old-fashioned people are no use to me. Old-fashioned people think you can have a soul without money. They think the less money you have, the more soul you have. Young people nowadays know better. A soul is a very expensive thing to keep, much more so than a motor-car. Is it? How much does your soul eat? Oh, a lot. It eats music and pictures and books and mountains and lakes and beautiful things to wear and nice people to be with. In this country you can't have them without lots of money. That is why our souls are so horribly starved. Mangan's soul lives on pig's food. Yes, money is thrown away on him. I suppose his soul was starved when he was young. But it will not be thrown away on me. It is just because I want to save my soul that I am marrying for money. All the women who are not fools do. There are other ways of getting money. Why don't you steal it? Because I don't want to go to prison. Is that the only reason? Are you quite sure honesty has nothing to do with it? Oh, you are very, very old-fashioned, Captain. Does any modern girl believe that the legal and illegal ways of getting money are the honest and dishonest ways? Mangan robbed my father and my father's friends. I should rob all the money back from Mangan if the police would let me. As they won't, I must get it back by marrying him. I can't argue. I'm too old. My mind is made up and finished. All I can tell you is that, old-fashioned or new-fashioned, if you sell yourself, you deal your soul a blow that all the books and pictures and concerts and scenery in the world won't heal. He gets up suddenly and makes for the pantry. Ellie, running after him and seizing him by the sleeve. Then why did you sell yourself to the devil in Zanzibar? Captain Shotover, stopping, startled. What? You shall not run away before you answer. I have found out that trick of yours. If you sold yourself, why shouldn't I? I had to deal with men so degraded that they wouldn't obey me unless I swore at them and kicked them and beat them with my fists. Foolish people took young thieves off the streets, flung them into a training ship where they were taught to fear the cane instead of fearing God, and thought they'd made men and sailors of them by private subscription. I tricked these thieves into believing I'd sold myself to the devil. It saved my soul from the kicking and swearing that was damning me by inches. Ellie, releasing him. I shall pretend to sell myself to Boss Mangan, to save my soul from the poverty that is damning me by inches. Riches will damn you ten times deeper. Riches won't save even your body. Old-fashioned again. We know now that the soul is the body and the body the soul. They tell us they are different because they want to persuade us that we can keep our souls if we let them make slaves of our bodies. I am afraid you are no use to me, Captain. What did you expect? A saviour, eh? Are you old-fashioned enough to believe in that? No. But I thought you were very wise and might help me. Now I have found you out. You pretend to be busy and think of fine things to say and run in and out to surprise people by saying them, and get away before they can answer you. It confuses me to be answered. It discourages me. I cannot bear men and women. I have to run away. I must run away now. He tries to. Ellie again seizing his arm. You shall not run away from me. I can hypnotize you. You are the only person in the house I can say what I like to. I know you are fond of me. Sit down. She draws him to the sofa. Captain Shotover, yielding. Take care. 
i am in my dotage old men are dangerous it doesn't matter to them what's going to happen to the world they sit side by side on the sofa she leans affectionately against him with her head on his shoulder and her eyes half closed i should have thought nothing else mattered to old men they can't be very interested in what is going to happen to themselves a man's interest in the world is only the overflow from his interest in himself when you are a child your vessel is not yet full so you care for nothing but your own affairs when you grow up your vessel overflows and you are a politician a philosopher or an explorer and adventurer in old age the vessel dries up there is no overflow you are a child again i can give you the memories of my ancient wisdom mere scraps and leavings but i no longer really care for anything but my own little wants and hobbies i sit here working out my old ideas as a means of destroying my fellow-creatures i see my daughters and their men living foolish lives of romance and sentiment and snobbery i see you the younger generation turning from their romance and sentiment and snobbery to money and comfort and hard common sense i was ten times happier on the bridge in the typhoon or frozen into arctic ice for months in darkness than you or they have ever been you are looking for a rich husband at your age i looked for hardship danger horror and death that i might feel the life in me more intensely i did not let the fear of death govern my life and my reward was i had my life you are going to let the fear of poverty govern your life and your reward will be that you will eat but you will not live ellie sitting up impatiently but what can i do i am not a sea captain i can't stand on bridges and typhoons or go slaughtering seals and whales in greenland's icy mountains they won't let women be captains do you want me to be a stewardess there are worse lies the stewardesses could come ashore if they liked but they sail and sail and sail what could they do ashore but marry for money i don't want to be a stewardess i am too bad a sailor think of something else for me i can't think so long and continuously i am too old i must go in and out he tries to rise ellie pulls him back you shall not you are happy here aren't you i tell you it's dangerous to keep me i can't keep awake and alert what do you run away for to sleep no to get a glass of rum is that it how disgusting do you like being drunk no i dread being drunk more than anything in the world to be drunk means to have dreams to go soft to be easily pleased and deceived to fall into the clutches of women drink does that for you when you are young but when you are old very very old like me the dreams come by themselves you don't know how terrible that is you are young you sleep at night only and sleep soundly but later on you will sleep in the afternoon later still you will sleep even in the morning and you will awake tired tired of life you will never be free from dozing and dreams the dreams will steal upon your work every ten minutes unless you can awaken yourself with rum i drink now to keep sober 
but the dreams are conquering rum is not what it was i have had ten glasses since you came and it might be so much water go get me another guinness knows where it is you'd better see for yourself the horror of an old man drinking you shall not drink dream i like you to dream you must never be in the real world when we talk together i am too weary to resist or too weak i am in my second childhood i do not see you as you really are i can't remember what i really am i feel nothing but the accursed happiness i have dreaded all my life long the happiness that comes as life goes the happiness of yielding and dreaming instead of resisting and doing the sweetness of the fruit that is going rotten you dread it almost as much as i used to dread losing my dreams and having to fight and do things but that is all over for me my dreams are dashed to pieces i should like to marry a very old very rich man i should like to marry you i had much rather marry you than marry mangan are you very rich no living from hand to mouth and i have a wife somewhere in jamaica a black one my first wife unless she's dead what a pity i feel so happy with you she takes his hand almost unconsciously and pats it i thought i should never feel happy again why don't you know no heartbreak i fell in love with hector and didn't know he was married heartbreak are you one of those who are so sufficient to themselves that they are only happy when they are stripped of everything even of hope ellie gripping the hand it seems so for i feel now as if there was nothing i could not do because i want nothing that's the only real strength that's genius that's better than rum ellie throwing away his hand rum why did you spoil it hector and randall come in from the garden through the starboard door i beg your pardon we did not know there was any one here ellie rising that means that you want to tell mr randall the story about the tiger come captain i want to talk to my father and you had better come with me captain shotover rising nonsense the man is in bed ha ah, i've caught you my real father has gone to bed but the father you gave me is in the kitchen you knew quite well all along come she draws him out into the garden with her through the port door that's an extraordinary girl she has the ancient mariner on a string like a pekingese dog now that they have gone uh, shall we have a friendly chat you are in what is supposed to be my house i am at your disposal hector sits down in the draughtsman's chair turning it to face randall who remains standing leaning at his ease against the carpenter's bench i take it that we may be quite frank i mean about lady otterward you may i have nothing to be frank about i never met her until this afternoon what but you are her sister's husband well if you come to that you are her husband's brother but you seem to be on intimate terms with her oh, so do you yes but i am on intimate terms with her i've known her for years it took her years to get to the same point with you that she got to with me in five minutes it seems oh really ariadne is the limit he moves away huffishly towards the windows she is as i remarked to hesione a very enterprising woman randall returning much troubled you see hushabye you are what women consider a good-looking man i cultivated that appearance in the days of my vanity 
and Hesione insists on my keeping it up. But she makes me wear these ridiculous things because she thinks me absurd in evening dress. Still, you do keep it up, old chap. Now, I assure you, I have not an atom of jealousy in my disposition. The question would seem to be, rather, whether your brother has any touch of that sort. What? Hastings? Oh, don't trouble about Hastings. He has the gift of being able to work sixteen hours a day at the dullest detail and actually likes it. That gets him to the top wherever he goes. As long as Ariadne takes care that he is fed regularly, he is only too thankful to anyone who will keep her in good humour for him. And as she has all the shot over fascination, there is plenty of competition for the job, eh? She encourages them. Her conduct is perfectly scandalous. I assure you, my dear fellow, I haven't an atom of jealousy in my composition, but she makes herself the talk of every place she goes to by her thoughtlessness. It's nothing more. She doesn't really care for the men she keeps hanging about her. But how is the world to know that? It's not fair to Hastings. It's not fair to me. Her theory is that her conduct is so correct. Correct? She does nothing but make scenes from morning till night. You be careful, old chap. She'll get you into trouble. That is, she would if she really cared for you. Doesn't she? Not a scrap. She may want your scalp to add to her collection. But her true affection has been engaged years ago. You'd really better be careful. Do you suffer much from this jealousy? Jealousy? I jealous? My dear fellow, haven't I told you that there is not an atom of— Yes, and Lady Utterword told me she never made scenes. Well, don't waste your jealousy on my moustache. Never waste jealousy on a real man. It is the imaginary hero that supplants us all in the long run. Besides, jealousy does not belong to your easy man-of-the-world pose, which you carry so well in other respects. Really, Hushabye, I think a man may be allowed to be a gentleman without being accused of posing. It is a pose like any other. In this house we know all the poses. Our game is to find out the man under the pose. The man under your pose is apparently Ellie's favourite, Othello. Some of your games in this house are damned annoying, let me tell you. Yes, I have been their victim for many years. I used to writhe under them at first, but I became accustomed to them. At last I learned to play them. If it's all the same to you, I had rather you didn't play them on me. You evidently don't quite understand my character or my notions of good form. Is it your notion of good form to give away Lady Utterword? I have not said a word against Lady Utterword. This is just the conspiracy over again. What conspiracy? You know very well, sir. A conspiracy to make me out to be pettish and jealous and childish and everything I am not. Everyone knows I'm just the opposite. Hector, rising. Something in the air of the house has upset you. It often does have that effect. He goes to the garden door and calls Lady Utterword with commanding emphasis. Ariadne. Yes? What are you calling her for? I want to speak. Lady Utterword arriving breathless. Yes. You really are a terribly commanding person. What's the matter? I do not know how to manage your friend Randall. No doubt you do. Randall, have you been making yourself ridiculous as usual? I can see it in your face. Really, you are the most pettish creature. You know quite well, Ariadne, that I have not an ounce of pettishness in my disposition. I have made myself perfectly pleasant here. I have remained absolutely cool and imperturbable in the face of a burglar. 
imperturbability is almost too strong a point of mine but putting his foot down with a stamp and walking angrily up and down the room i insist on being treated with a certain consideration i will not allow hushabye to take liberties with me i will not stand your encouraging people as you do the man has a rooted delusion that he is your husband i know he is jealous as if he had any right to be he compromises me everywhere he makes scenes all over the place randall i will not allow it i simply will not allow it you had no right to discuss me with hector i will not be discussed by men be reasonable ariadne your fatal gift of beauty forces men to discuss you oh indeed what about your fatal gift of beauty how can i help it you could cut off your moustache i can't cut off my nose i get my whole life messed up with people falling in love with me and then randall says i run after men i yes you do you said it just now why can't you think of something else than women napoleon was quite right when he said that women were the occupation of the idle man well if there was ever an idle man on earth his name is randall utterwood Ariad. oh yes you are it's no use denying it what have you ever done what good are you you are as much trouble in the house as a child of three you couldn't live without your valet this is laziness you are laziness incarnate you are selfishness itself you are the most uninteresting man on earth you can't even gossip about anything but yourself and your grievances and your ailments and the people who have offended you turning to hector do you know what they call him hector please don't tell me i'll not stand it randall the rotter that is his name in good society i'll not bear it i'll tell you will you listen to me you infernal well go on what were you going to call me an infernal what which unpleasant animal is it to be this time there is no animal in the world so hateful as a woman can be you are a maddening devil hushabye you will not believe me when i tell you that i have loved this demon all my life but god knows i have paid for it he sits down in the draughtsman's chair weeping lady utterword standing over him with triumphant contempt cry baby hector gravely coming to him my friend the shotover sisters have two strange powers over men they can make them love and they can make them cry thank your stars that you are not married to one of them and pray hector hector suddenly catching her round the shoulders swinging her right round him and away from randall and gripping her throat with the other hand ariadne if you attempt to start on me i'll choke you do you hear the cat-and-mouse game with the other sex is a good game but i can play your head off at it he throws her not at all gently into the big chair and proceeds less fiercely but firmly it is true that napoleon said that woman is the occupation of the idle man but he added that she is the relaxation of the warrior well i am the warrior so take care lady utterword not in the least put out and rather pleased by his violence my dear hector i have only done what you have asked me to do how do you make that out pray you called me in to manage randall didn't you you said you couldn't manage him yourself 
"'Well, what if I did? I did not ask you to drive the man mad.' "'He isn't mad. That's the way to manage him. If you were a mother, you'd understand.' "'Mother? What are you up to now?' "'It's quite simple. When the children got nerves and were naughty, I smacked them just enough to give them a good cry and a healthy nervous shock. They went to sleep and were quite good afterwards. Why, I can't smack Randall. He is too big.' So when he gets nerves and is naughty, I just rag him till he cries. He will be all right now. Look, he is half asleep already. Which is quite true. Randall, waking up indignantly. I'm not! You're most cruel, Ariadne. But I suppose I must forgive you, as usual. Is the explanation satisfactory, dread warrior? Some day I shall kill you if you go too far. I thought you were a fool. <laughs> Everybody does at first. But I am not such a fool as I look. She rises complacently. Now, Randall, go to bed. You will be a good boy in the morning. I'll go to bed when I like. It isn't ten yet. It is long past ten. See that he goes to bed at once, Hector. She goes into the garden. Is there any slavery on earth viler than this slavery of men to women? Randall, rising resolutely. I'll not speak to her tomorrow. I'll not speak to her for another week. I'll give her such a lesson. I'll go straight to bed without bidding her good night. He makes for the door leading to the hall. You are under a spell, man. Old Shotover sold himself to the devil in Zanzibar. The devil gave him a black witch for a wife and these two demon daughters are their mystical progeny. I am tied to Hesione's apron-string, but I'm her husband, and if I did go stark staring mad about her, at least we became man and wife. But why should you let yourself be dragged about and beaten by Ariadne as a toy donkey is dragged about and beaten by a child? What do you get by it? Are you her lover? You must not misunderstand me. In a higher sense, in a platonic sense. Pshaw! Platonic sense! She makes you her servant, and when payday comes around, she bilks you. That is what you mean. Well, if I don't mind, I don't see what business it is of yours. Besides, I tell you I'm going to punish her. You shall see. I know how to deal with women. I'm really very sleepy. Say good night to Mrs. Hushabye for me, will you, like a good chap? Good night. He hurries out. Poor wretch! Ah, oh, women, women, women! He lifts his fists in invocation to heaven. Fall, fall, and crash! He goes out into the garden. End of Act Two.